today on Ag News Daily. Obviously, we we have the technology to really benefit the planet from the standpoint of of air and water and land pollution and keep that from happening. But what we really have is a is a way to actually make that that feeder a heck of a lot more profitable. Good morning, listeners, or good afternoon, I should say. It's Cassidy Zirkel and Tanner Winterhoff joining you again for our last day as the dream team taking over the podcast. You know what? I think we need to grace our listeners with like a blooper reel because they're not going to get to hear the fact that you and I both just said today on Ag News Daily at the same time, and it almost sounded like it was in harmony. Yeah, I really think our listeners don't quite understand how well we really work together. <laughs> it's all all part of the show. But yes, listeners, welcome to a Friday afternoon of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney will be back next week, whether you like it or not. And uh, we we will go from there. But I tell you what we do like is seeing corn exports go up. So corn sales to overseas buyers rose while soybean cancellations resulted in a net negative. For this last week of marketing over the last seven days that ended july 21st corn exports were at 150,000 metric tons that's up from the 39 33.9 metric tons earlier so noticeably up progress from the four-week average mexico was the biggest buyer at 70,000 metric tons followed by japan at a little over 42,000 tons soybean sales like we said saw net reductions of 58.6 metric tons. That's a reversal from the large tonnage week of over 200,000 tons due to mass cancellation. So another logistics issue on the soybean side of things. Netherlands were the largest participant at 57,000. Egypt at 55,000. Mexico to follow in third place. So good to see corn on the move, but got to get the logistics figured out on the soybean side. Yeah, Tanner, I'll tell you something that's not good to see is even more drought news coming from my home state. And it looks like Jacob's Well, which is a really well-known swimming hole in the hill country that's spring-fed that I grew up going to when I was visiting Austin and lots of people love to visit, has stopped allowing swimming since a few weeks ago because of the low water levels. And this week, it officially stopped flowing for only the fourth time in history. That's uh, a very rare occasion. And unfortunately, it seems like parts of the country get the rain and others don't because we are <clears throat> hoping the total death toll subsides or stops growing based upon the devastating flash floods that have hit Kentucky. So the death toll has rose to 15 on Friday as we report here today. Children were among the dead, said their governor, Andy. Uh, adding to the expected number to possibly double before counts are officially done. So more rounds of rainfall across parts of the Ohio and Tennessee valleys are expecting to trigger even more flash flooding, which is unfortunate. As of early Friday, the flash flood watch was in effect through the evening today. Large swaths of Kentucky, including several counties hit by storms on Thursday, are approaching river flood stages that could be even more damage. So our thoughts and prayers are with those in Kentucky. The flash flood warning is also in effect for portions of West Virginia where heavy rain has continued to be possible as we get through the end of this Friday. 
Yeah, Tanner, it just seems like Mother Nature isn't giving anyone a break this summer. And that's including Nebraska, where the Platte River has dried up, which has gotten a lot of sensation on social media. But from the research I did, this is actually a normal seasonal drying out of that river. So hopefully that's not too bad of a sign for that area of Nebraska. Yeah, that it, it is. It's hopefully not too severe. It normally dries out, but does it dry out to this extent? Uh, is something we will have to take a look at. When you're talking about that area, I have day three results of the wheat tour. The estimate is coming in very similar to the USDA's projection. Spring wheat tour's final estimates are 49.1 bushel to the acre for spring wheat, and Durham is at 39 bushels to the acre. So again, tour ended yesterday, Thursday, July 28th. They were up in Fargo, North Dakota, after three days of scouting fields in the state and in Minnesota. The total weighted average was that 49.1. Yield projections for both crops were the second highest for the tour since 2008. In 2015, participants estimated the wheat at 49.9 and 39.2, so drawing some very similar conclusions to the year 2015. It'll be interesting to see once we get some reports in post-harvest this fall to see how things are actually going to match up to the prediction. Well, Tanner, with all of this domestic news, I'm sure our our listeners are wondering where all of my foreign news is, since I usually report on that. <laughs> the only piece that I have today that's not from the U.S. is from our northern neighbors. Canada has announced over and over again how they are really working to be completely free of carbon emissions within the next three decades. And one of their moves towards climate change help is by cutting fertilizer use greatly. And this has farmers not happy. It looks like we may be seeing some protests similar to that in the Netherlands from the farmers in Canada. Really? That's interesting how uh, protests and issues can span different countries and follow a trend like that. We are here back inside the U.S. talking about the Ag Trade nominee. The Ag Trade nominee, the Ag Trade nominee, spoke with the senators yesterday, stating he plans to break down the barriers. Was the label of his speech? So Doug McCaleb told senators that if he is confirmed as the U.S. chief agricultural negotiator, it'd be his duty to break down barriers for U.S. food and ag exports. During the friendly and relatively brief conversation heard on Thursday before the Senate Finance Committee, he stated he looks forward to ensuring farmers and ranchers are at the front and center of the Office of U.S. Trade Representatives, looking to strengthen relationships, execute new initiatives, and address challenges such as China. The USDA Trade Advisor since March of 2021 has stated he spent more than three decades in federal government, was the director of White House and Rural Council under President Obama, has held a variety of USDA positions, including chief of staff under Agricultural Secretary Tom Vilsack, and points to potential additional opportunities in Great Britain and Southeast Asia as a way to expand food and ag trade. So the Indo-Pacific Economic Framework that was launched in late May, might be the new tradition in stepping away from old traditions of negotiating free trade. So uh, had his chance to speak to the Senate Finance Committee, 
potentially looking at taking that nominee position into an official role. Well, that is very interesting, Tanner, and something we will have to keep up with to see if that pulls through. My last piece of news today is back on the topic of beef packing plants going up across the country. Another one is set to break down soon as they finalize financing. The Sustainable Beef LLC is looking to put up a packing plant in Nebraska. It's not quite as big as the one in Missouri that we discussed earlier this week, but if both of these plants go up when they are said to together, they would increase daily slaughter in the U.S. by 3% and yearly by 1 million head. Oh, there you go. Last piece I had before getting into the markets today, the headline caught my eye. In a surprise move, Manchin and the Senate Democrats strike a deal on expansive climate and tax plans. So if you remember in our reports, Senator Joe Manchin went from being the party's main holdout on expansive social policy, climate and tax legislation to being the one that is striking the deal on domestic spending packages that include climate and energy programs, along with tax increases. So no official package put out yet, uh, but quite a headline that we will probably report on more next week. So I wanted to make sure we caught that here before the end of the week. Corn futures are 9 to 11 cents higher here midday as we're recording this. They also followed soybeans higher. The corn, as it is considered flat action on the spread, consolidates a little bit over $6 here uh, in the futures market. We're looking at soybeans futures between 34 and 40 cents, 40 cents higher midday, where spreads firming, uh, obviously, as the August contract goes into delivery. Trade will continue to watch the forecast as we put that together. Meal, uh, 12 and 13 higher on the soybean side. Wheat futures are flat to seven cents lower. Uh, according to analysts here, profit taking versus some of those fresh longs showing up. But uh, as most of the crop markets are trading relatively conservatively, we move over into the livestock to see green across the board. Live cattle futures up 50 cents today, October contracted 142 and three eighths, the same with December up 55 cents at 148 and three eighths. Feeder cattle today up $1.25 in the near term contract, $1.17 for October. Lean hogs up across the board, green through all contracts, $1.50 in the front month of August and 80 cents respectively, both in the rest of those. So a good wrap on markets across the board for the end of this week. Time for a Friday conversation. Well, listeners, I'm excited to introduce you all to Mr. Bill O'Neill, CEO of Bion. And we are excited to talk to him a little bit about a huge project they have coming up that we reported on a little bit earlier this week. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you, Cassidy. Absolutely. So to start us off, can you just give us a little bit of your background in the background of the company and how you got to where you are? Sure. Um, so Bion's uh, background is that of creating environmental solutions for agriculture throughout its uh, uh, 30-year history. Uh, again, dealing with uh, phosphorus in, uh, in Florida, coming from citrus and sugar, dealing with uh, hog manure, in uh, lagoons in North North Carolina and in Utah, as well as 
working with uh, with dairies in uh, in Pennsylvania, obviously stem the flow of uh, nutrients, and that was all geared towards the uh, Chesapeake Bay. So again, uh, Bion has has focused on on this technology uh, from an environmental standpoint, and now we get the chance to um, um, to deploy it for the industry, basically focused on on the industry. And I can talk a little bit about um, why we are so focused on beef. But a quick background on my on my side, Cassidy and Tanner, is just that I've spent my career thirty years in the meat industry and never really on the commodity side, but really focused on, um, on what's next and value added products. Uh, uh, I worked with a team. We were the first to put uh, nutritional labeling on packages back in the early nineties. I worked with a team that we were the first in the country to, um, to do uh, fresh case ready meat for retail. We studied what went on in Europe and we brought it back here. And And 10 years later, the industry certainly uh, moved to that transition to uh, to the case-ready format. And then I was also involved with another team. We were pioneers in the uh, in the fully cooked meat arena. And we worked a lot with uh, HEB in San, in San Antonio. Uh, they, they were really the the uh, pioneer of, of fully cooked meat at retail before anybody went there. So, so that when, when you combine my background with, with, uh, with Bion's capabilities, we end up, uh, focusing, um, really on beef. And, and quite frankly, how we got there was just drawing a, a quick graph, um, and looking at the direct and indirect costs as far as the environment and the economic, um, impact for each of the different uh, livestock uh, uh, businesses. So we looked at dairy and we looked at pork and we looked at poultry and, and beef. And when we grafted out, we, we believe that our technology will have um, the greatest impact in both of those areas uh, in the beef arena. And we'll deploy, obviously deploy the uh, technology in the finishing phase in the, in that, uh, in that finishing link in the value chain um, to uh, to have a great impact there. Awesome. And we're also joined today by Craig Scott, Senior Vice President for Bion. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. Nice to be here. Good to meet you guys. Awesome. Why don't you tell us what your role is with Bion? Well, I've been in, I, I call myself the old man or the historian. I've been, um, my title is director of communications. I'm a senior vice president. I've been with Bion off and on, mostly on for about 30 years. Um, I raised a lot of the early capital that developed um, technology phases one and two or generations one and two, and more recently came back several years ago. Um, and like I said, handle shareholder communications. I handle some capital markets and business intelligence and business development. Thank you both for introducing yourselves. And Bill, will you just go ahead and share a little bit about what the technology exactly is and what it does to help sustainability in cattle? Sure. So Cassidy, um, the technology really focuses on um, on refining the uh, waste stream. Um, and by that, I mean that waste stream um, has has various components in it. Obviously, lots of folks, um, uh, certainly in the dairy industry, um, 
have spent a lot of time focusing on the um, on the methane and the gas associated with uh, with that waste stream and applied the anaerobic digester technology to that. And that technology is certainly nothing new. It's actually quite old. But then Bion's uh, engineers basically came in behind that and looked at, okay, so so you're, we're, we're taking care, we're turning that methane into, into biogas that we can then market and make money for, in our case, the uh, cattle feeder. But then we still have um, we still have a uh, a waste stream left uh, after that dige- digester is concerned, and if that is simply applied to the field, then we're going to end up a similar problem that um, that we see ourselves in right now. So, Bion basically, the guys and girls created a technology that that refines the nitrogen, and nitrogen is really our focus. Um, but pulls that nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium out of that uh, waste stream. And we actually take, take that nitrogen and then apply or combine it with the uh, CO2 and whatnot out of that digester as well. And we end up with a ammonium bicarbonate or a organic dry nitrogen that then can be precisely applied uh, to the field and, and which helps uh, eliminate uh, nutrient runoff. And then obviously we're st- uh, we, we have other things that are going on there. And one Cassidy and Tanner that I think is, uh, is going to be a big deal. Uh, everybody focuses on emissions. As I said, everybody really likes to talk a lot about carbon um, and carbon offsets and carbon credits and whatnot. I think the big deal and one that, um, that Bion has the technology really focuses on is uh, is water and uh, recovering, um, you know, anywhere from 30 to 50 percent of that of that uh, cattle waste stream and recovering that and uh, running it through the system and ending up with uh, with clean water that can be used on crops or can be used for the herd or um, or other things uh, from an operational standpoint. So I think that that will end up being a big deal because the consumer, I think it's really nebulous uh, to the consumer what carbon is. Again, everybody talks about it. I think it's crystal clear what water is uh, from the consumer's perspective. And I think that when people learn what our technology can do um, in the uh, in the cattle feeding uh, business, I think that it will be a a no-brainer for uh, uh, from a again from a consumer standpoint, and, and this is really um, cool because the consumer is really driving this whole sustainability transparency um, uh, push. That's that's really um, that's coming from the consumer, and that's that's what Bion's technology can deliver um, in both of those areas. So. Anyway, does does that answer your question? Oh, absolutely. We had another article this week locally that we reported on of another suburb of Des Moines joining the class action water suit or lawsuit for water quality, you know, monitoring the nitrates that are entering into their source water system. So it's definitely a focus. And like you said, consumer driven, uh, but always an interesting conversation to be had in agriculture because we want to promote our practices obviously believe in ourselves that our operations have to be sustainable in order to be profitable and put put those things together so 
how how do you guys address the the PR, the public relations side of your business? First, if you don't mind, I would like to go back to what you said about the Des Moines water suit and the nitrate issue. Um, one of the things that you have to understand about Bion's technology and what really differentiates it is the fact that what we're targeting is that ammoniacal nitrogen, that very mobile, very volatile, very difficult to deal with nitrogen that is causing a lot of these problems, not only groundwater contamination, but downstream algae blooms, toxic algae blooms. So, you know, what Bion's job is to, or what Bion's technology's job is to do is not only produce clean water, but to do it by capturing that nitrogen so it's now stabilized. And instead of, you know, atmospheric deposition that puts it back into the ecosystem where it's not wanted, we now have it captured and stabilized in a, in a product that can now be precision applied and not be applied with that phosphorus that's also running off and causing these freshwater algae blooms. So, you know, we do resolve that problem. As far as a PR perspective, um, frankly, you know, <laughs> I'm going to be careful what I say here because there's a lot of PR out there or a lot of journalism out there that's really not interested in solutions, particularly from the private sector. I've been watching it for 30 years. Um, I think that there is a contingent of advocacy groups out there that are more interested in maintaining a status quo and the entrenched interests of the status quo than actually solving a problem. Um, I think agriculture offers very large scale wholesale solutions at low cost that have, you know, those opportunities, in my opinion, have fallen on deaf ears and that's nowhere more apparent than back in the Chesapeake Bay. Well, to dive deeper into the conversation that we talked about earlier on this week that really got me to reach out to y'all, what is part of the solution that you're doing with the Ribbon Wire Ranch in Dalhart? How is this partnership going to help reach those solutions that you're talking about? And what is this facility going to be like? Is it going to be a ranch or like a feedlot facility? Yeah, um, good question. So so it will be it'll be a feedlot. Um because our system requires us to actually move those cattle from a open feedlot setting indoors into uh, into barns. So we'll have a series of barns that are that are basically connected uh, via pipeline, um, so that we can then process, collect, and then process that uh, that waste stream. The real important thing for us is to create. Uh, obviously, we we have the technology to really benefit the uh, the planet from the standpoint of of air and water um, and land pollution and 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 keep that from happening but what we really have is a is a way to actually make that uh, that feeder a heck of a lot more profitable by going ahead and and collecting that for example the biogas or the um, the barns would have solar panels so we'll be collecting uh, electricity basically or making electricity from that um, and then as I referred to again as far as the creating a an organic nitrogen uh, which as we all know in, in today's world is uh, is worth a lot and so we'll have those things to market in addition to as I said before the uh, the water uh, we, we don't we don't have anything planned right now as far as marketing that water, but something tells me that down the road we will. But I wanted to get back to the, the, the we've got that piece of it really well handled. We partnered with 
with Chad uh, Schoonover and Doug Latham um, because these guys are um, are experts at, uh, at at cattle feeding and actually at uh, at farming as well. What what we're focused on is trying to create an environment in that barn that is just incredible for the cattle. We want we want the cattle, which is why we would uh, we've reached out and and have had numerous conversations with Temple Grandin about it. Um, and again, the, the concerns that uh, the Temple expressed were, you know, around lameness and, you know, joint uh, swelling and whatnot. So I, I, as we put together our plans, we've got the technology side of it. We're really focused on creating the environment in that barn that that um, that really makes the uh uh, the cattle comfortable and makes the cattle um, uh, just happy to be out of the uh, out of the elements, so to speak, out of the heat, out of the uh, weather. And, and again, Cassidy, you know, you know, Delhart, get them out of the the high heat, get them out of the uh, blizzards, because cattle feeders know that that a blizzard during a blizzard that cattle is going to lose fifty pounds. You keep feeding him, but he's going to lose fifty pounds, and in the in the buy-on system, he's he's not going to be exposed to that, and therefore, those efficiencies will uh, will just keep uh, moving forward. Um, so anyway, but the, again, getting back, the animal welfare is really important to us. That uh, that we put together a system that really um, really works for the cattle. You guys have shared so much information. Unfortunately we don't have uh, a lot of time to get any deeper into this. So our listeners are going to be curious. Craig, why don't you let them know how they could look you guys up and find out more about what you guys have going on? Well, sure. We have a, we, we have a website, um, bion and viro.com, just B-I-O-N-E-N-V-I-R-O. Um, we are a publicly traded company. We trade on the OTC markets. Our symbol is, B net that's Bob Nancy Edward Tom and um, I am always available uh, my email is c scott at bionenviro.com anyone has any questions is welcome they're welcome to send them to me and I'll get back to them the same day or next morning awesome this has been great gentlemen it's been a pleasure I know it was way too short but that just gives us an excuse to connect again down the road and get an update on what you guys have going on so thank you so much for joining the Ag News Daily Podcast Thank you so much, Tanner. Thanks, Cassie. Well, Tanner, that was a great conversation with Bion, their CEO and VP are great to have on to give us a timely update to a report we had talked about just earlier this week. Yeah, it's good. I appreciate you lining that up. Make sure our listeners have the latest access to information here on Ag News Daily. While you guys are hanging out this weekend, don't be afraid to check us out on our social media platforms. Leave guest suggestions, topic ideas. We'd always appreciate the interaction. But for this week and our time together, Cassidy, what do you say? Should we let the listeners go? Let's let them go.